Hello and welcome to the Fabulous by Design podcast. I'm your host, Evie. I am excited you are listening today. This show inspires and empowers you to take the next step towards a life you can't stop thinking about. I am bringing in people from all over the world with authentic and inspiring stories. People who change their lives from good to better, from miserable to great, turned strategy into hope and became successful entrepreneurs and business owners, living their dream life on their own terms. Grab your favorite note-taking device, lean back and get inspired. I believe that everything you need to create the life of your dreams is already within you. Welcome, Natasha and Allegra, co-founders of Beyond Your Wildest Dreams. Today, I am having a conversation with two people on the other side. So guys, don't be confused. There is three voices today, and I am so excited to bring in this topic today, which Natasha and Allegra will introduce to us. So hello, and tell us a little bit more about yourself and introduce yourself to our audience. Hi, well, I'm Allegra. And I am a mom to a just turned teenager. I homeschool. I've homeschooled her her whole life. Uh, she did go to a co-op for a little while when she was in preschool. But other than that, her whole life. And I have my own business, um, actually a couple of businesses. And then I have Beyond Your Wildest Dreams, which Natasha and I co-founded together. And... Beyond Your Wildest Dreams was really born out of a frustration of mine. So I've always been a planner, lifelong planner. But when my child was about five years old, I was unhappy because I felt like I was having a lot of success in some areas of my life, like the financial and the business side, and not as much success in like personal areas like relationship and my personal health. And so I took a few days and I went to a monastery uh, I'm in Los Angeles, so a monastery here in the Los Angeles area. And I was determined to figure out why I was having success in some areas and not others. And what I realized was that I was a really good planner and I was creating plans and executing on plans in the business and financial side. And maybe that just made sense because, you know, I'm an MBA and, you know, it lends itself to planning. And so when I started applying that planning to the personal sides of my life, I really started just seeing a lot of success. People started asking me, you know, I, I would have my businesses and homeschooling my child and, you know, my, my family, we like to travel. We spent a month in Mexico and, you know, people would ask me, like, how do you do all of these things? I'm also part of the sandwich generation. So I have um, a mother, a grandmother and a mother-in-law who all need various amounts of help from my myself and my husband, right? So we have to support a lot of people. And people would ask me, how do you do this? And, and seem sane, which, you know, that's, I guess, a matter of opinion. And I would always say planning. They would kind of look at me like, does planning mean to you what it means to me? And so I'll let Natasha tell the second part of the story. But I just want to mention one other thing was that I feel like this when a child turns five, there's this like really great opportunity for a mom because, you know, the first year of life, you're literally just keeping another human being alive. And that is stressful and exhausting and, uh, you know, nerve wracking. But every year that passes, you know, they get a little more independent, a little more independent. And then when five years hits, it's a really huge shift. There's so much more capable of not dying <laughs> is the only way to put it 
right? It's like, oh, you can stay alive on your own mostly. That's great. Okay. And I, and that was, you know, that was that time when I decided to go to the monastery. And I realized now that around five, like moms really have this opportunity where they can say, okay, is this, is this my identity? Is this what I want to focus on for the rest of my life? Or do I want to have another kid, you know, or are there other things that I want to do? And, you know, I really had a purposeful, I was like, nope, I, you know, I'm happy with one child and there are other things I want to accomplish in my life. And I need to make this shift because it's so easy. You're just in this habit pattern, right? Of five years of taking care of someone else that if you don't kind of get out of that habit pattern, then it can just kind of take over the rest of your life, which is fine if that's what you want. But a lot of us, I think a lot of moms just keep doing that just because that's what they've been doing and they don't really think about it. So that's me. <laughs> Thank you and for the introduction. Hi, I'm Natasha. Uh, also live in Los Angeles, and um, I have slightly different journey than than Allegra. Also a really good planner, but a excellent planner when it comes to like self-contained events. You know, I did a lot of kids' birthday parties and events for the preschool that I was that I was a part of. Events for my other business, and when it's self-contained with a date and a guest list and a you know and very specific parameters, I was really really good at executing that type of thing when it's like when it's contained uh where i was not very good is open-ended goals open-ended you know dreams or things that i'd like to achieve and especially if the, that open-ended goal only involved me really as the beneficiary different when it was like the family or like if we were planning a trip yeah absolutely i really, really good at being organized and planning that, but not very good at open-ended life goals. And so Allegra and I knew each other through other channels and I, I'd seen her really kicking butt in all these different areas of her life, you know, being a homeschooling mom and getting the family, getting to travel and her really having success inside of her businesses and her creative endeavors. And that just seemed, I, I was just in awe of what she was up to. And I just said, Allegra, how do you do it? <laughs> how do you do it all? And she, and she, uh, she told me she's well she's like you're not the first person to ask me this and she gave me a bunch of helpful hints and tips and that type of thing and next thing i know i sit down to take take on some of her advice and kind of delve into the materials and so forth that she had suggested to me and then we all went into lockdown and so everything went out the window and then a few months later allegra had had uh had checked in with me and said you know okay we've all been in this lockdown for a minute how are, how are things going? And I said, I have to be honest, I haven't done anything since, <laughs> since I first attempted to. And she's like, well, let's unpack this together. And next thing you know, the two of us are really unpacking these, she'd gone to this monastery and done a deep dive and, and really figured out what, what was working and what wasn't working for her. And then we, we unpacked those, those things together. And this is how our business beyond your wildest dreams was born out of those conversations out of really just like a a casual connection around this with friends and someone just reaching out and wanting to be helpful to her friend and then realizing, wow, what we're putting together here really isn't something that we should, you know, we need to share it with the world. <laughs> so that's how BYWD was born, Beyond Your Wildest Dreams. Wow. Thank you so much. I so love this. I love this topic and I am honored to have you both on my show. The reason why I was so excited in the first place to have you here speak about this topic, because uh, first of all, I'm not a parent. So who am I 
to encourage people to run their business, to take themselves first, to prioritize themselves and their personal needs in any other area of life than just parenting, because I think everything comes pretty much together and we can't always not only focus for the entire life on our family and kids. I think we will elaborate on that a bit more during the conversation. So, and what I see is that a lot of women and men just get trapped eventually into the parenting role, having big desires, having ambitious, you know, skills to create. But what I hear is I don't have time. I feel guilty for not being with my child 24-7. I have so much to do around the house and around my children that how I how I'm even supposed to start a business, how I'm even supposed to find a time. And you both speak about it like it's something very natural and it is allowed, right? We are allowed to live our dreams, to live our lives even as parents without being judged by society eventually or to be our biggest judge ourselves, right? Was that always like this? Have you always given yourself the permission to be yourself, to put yourself first? And I would love to hear that story. I mean, well, just in terms of the parenting, I just I just want to mention this really great book called Pay Up. It's really about third wave feminism, which is about uh, valuing women for who we are and what we bring to the table. And she talks about parenting loudly. She's like, you need to parent loudly. Like so many of us feel guilty about like, you know, at, at the office, we pretend like we're not moms and it's just not realistic. I mean, if your kid is, it has a fever, you're running out the door, you know, and we need children. Like society doesn't function without us raising our children and children coming up behind us to continue society. So it just makes no sense the way our country is set up and the way we want parents to pretend like they're not parents. So first I'll say that. Secondly, I will say that I'm in a very different position than a lot of people because, as I mentioned, I've had my business for 17 years and my child's 13. So I established my business before I had a child because I knew my father was also an entrepreneur. And so I got that experience, right? My dad coached my soccer team. My dad would take off, you know, weeks. My parents would pull us out of school to take us to travel, you know, and they'd make us write essays every single day. It was like, it wasn't like we're not in school. It was just like, this is the school of life, right? And so because I was raised that way, that was how I wanted to raise my child. So I have set my life up to allow myself to be able to do this, right? However, I will also say that I also parent really loudly. My child comes with me. So my main business is actually coaching uh, founders and C-suite in public speaking, so mm -hmm. I write speeches, I work on presentations and that sort of thing. She comes with me. She will be in the same room as I'm coaching these people. She has seen me negotiate contracts. And it's not like I was like, oh, this is going to be no problem. It's more like, well, let's see how this goes, <laughs> you know, and I bring her along. It always works better than I expect. And secondly, I'm like, oh, my God, she got to watch me negotiate a contract like this one time. A client wanted me to do something that I said that was outside of what I'm comfortable doing and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, she saw me stand up for myself. 
right? To say like, no, even though you're offering me this money, that's not what I want to be doing. Here's what I can do for you, you know, blah, blah, blah. So that's the kind of lesson that it's like impossible to replicate that in a classroom environment, right? And the other thing too, is that when you see my child speak in public, you're like, what? wow, she's really talent, naturally talented. And it's not that she's naturally talented. It's that she's really just absorbed, just like she has with language, with learning to walk. She's absorbed public speaking because she sees me do it so much. And that has been really fascinating because she has picked up things that I have. It's taken me forever to teach someone. And I was like, oh, okay, she's just heard it, heard it, heard it so much. And she's seen it. So yeah, that's, you know, that side of it, I kind of went away from the question a little bit, but just going back to like, have I always been this way? I have a really low tolerance for being unhappy. That's just my reality. Like it manifests in my body really quickly. If I'm unhappy, I have, I was once bedridden for three months in my early thirties. And I was told that I would never be able to play sports again, that if I ever got pregnant, it would be really painful. And that uh, walking in a hunched over position was going to be the rest of my life. And and I cursed the doctor in my head. I was like, you know, I used profanity in my head and in my face. I was like, you'll see. You don't know what I'm willing to do. And then I made it my life to get back to where I wanted to be. And then I said, okay, within a year, I had started my business. I was like, okay, I got the message body because that's how I manifest my stress is in my body, right? Some people manifest it more mentally. Um, for me, it's very much in my body. And I was like, that's not what I want to be anymore. And I'm a completely different person. But again, that was 17 years ago. So you're seeing me at the end of that journey, right? Yeah, I, I would say that it absolutely does not come naturally to me whatsoever uh, to, it has definitely been a journey. And Allegra and I are definitely in different parts of the parenting journey than some other parents would be you know this was a wildly different experience like your like we we're saying earlier one to five my boys are now both in double digits so we got a 10 and a 12 year old we're different parts of our parenting journey right so it's wildly different in those zero to five year i mean it was definitely overwhelming and i'm still running my other business at, at that point and you know it was there was a lot of uh, going ahead and improving, so to speak, you know, and yes, sometimes my boys came along with me and, you know, I have clients today that, you know, my, my client says, you know, my husband can't watch the kid. I, it's not possible for, I was like, let's keep the appointment, bring her along. You know, it's really not, you know, let's, we'll work it out, <laughs> you know, we'll figure it out. And so want to echo what Allegra said about, you know, as a parent, we don't have to hide our children in the shadows, right? Like this is, you know, my students would come over, my clients would come over and like, yeah, sometimes I have to step over a Lego situation. So, you know what I mean? There's ways to incorporate its life. And and so it's sometimes messy and sometimes not so great um, to look at. It's not always pretty, <laughs> but it we're, we work it out. And absolutely, 100% have understood and felt what it is to be guilty around not, showing up as the perfect parent. Like we have this kind of mythical idea of there's only one way to parent. There's only one way to show up and you have to show up in that perfect way all the time. And that's absolute BS. <laughs> and two, this idea that the family always comes first. And I understand that um, sentiment, but ultimately it's not sustainable. And ultimately this idea of self-care really is not just a luxury. It's not just like 
oh, having a manicure and a pedicure every once in a while or a massage, those are great and those are wonderful. And if that's part of like what helps you feel fantastic, all the better. But self-care and prioritizing self-care is not a luxury. It, self-care is health care, <laughs> as mm -hmm. Allegra likes to say all the time. Self-care is health care and putting yourself first, one of, you know, this adage of like, you're flying, the attendant says when that oxygen mask drops down, put it on yourself first. And we all understand the implication of that is if you don't, you put it on everyone else first, you're going to be down on the floor in the middle of the aisle and people are going to be tripping over you because <laughs> you've passed out. So, you know, it's, it's, not, <laughs> it's not just a, it's not a luxury. It's, it's really, really necessary. You know, I had many friends who like have got, got to the point where like if they weren't prioritizing their own health, let's say exercising, because not only is that keeping you in good physical health, but it's also helping you mentally, you know, and it's maybe keeping you from, you know, kind of just short circuiting or not having enough bandwidth to put the attention on your business and be an effective parent. Like, you know, I, I know that when I'm stressed or feeling, you know, pulled too thin, I'm, I'm not the parent I want to be. I'm going to be short with my kids and I'm not going to have the bandwidth to go ahead and like respond to those emails to my clients, that kind of thing. So it's really important. The, the self-care and putting, prioritizing yourself is, is not just um, something to give lip service to. And it's not something that's just uh, something, it's definitely not something you should feel guilty about. But I say this now, you know, but you know, if you'd caught me five years ago or something, it would have been a different answer probably. And, and it's something that it doesn't come quote unquote naturally. It's something that I've like actively had to put in place and I'm actively still working on and I actively am tracking it as well. You know, something as simple as like, I have a daily medication that I now have to take. That's a new thing for me. I have to track that. I will easily forget about that because it's a, it's a new thing and B it hasn't come naturally to put myself first. Mm -hmm. I think you two are shifting perspectives mm -hmm. because I think what it, the idea of parenting and being there for our family, family first, and, you know, just we learned this either from our childhood, from, from our families, ourselves, how it's supposed to be, or society just puts something on us that we have to follow. And everything mm -hmm. that is just a little bit off the path, there is a lot of judgment, especially if it comes to be parents and raising children. And now you're telling me stories that you shifted your way of thinking from seeing a problem of having a small child needing to, people would say, drag her along to your appointment, which is just simply, no, she's part of my life or they are part of my life. And mm -hmm. they will just come along with me. And I don't see the problem. I see the opportunity. Is that mm -hmm. so? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like the way you show up makes all the difference. Like I just showed up with my daughter, matter of factly. Like, oh, is there a chair where she can sit? It wasn't, I didn't show up like, oh, is this okay? I'm so sorry. And I, you know, it was just like, here she is. This is yeah. what's happening. When my son Again, was- Again, parent loudly. I was in a show. I was in a, a production. And I mean, it was an opportunity. He was less than a year old. I showed up with him in the car seat, you know, and in the little bassinet. And the other actresses in the show were so happy to be backstage watching him while I was on stage rehearsing you know so it turned out to be just fine and I understand there's a very specific circumstance and you know the production was very kind to to allow that to happen and so forth but it was definitely something that you know like Allegra said you how you show up 
with it absolutely sets the tone. And yeah, of course, there are places where kids are not appropriate, right? We're not talking about like, you know, and I just mean like, you're not bringing, you're not going to bring your kids to your, to your corporate job per se, you know, like, but, you know, we don't have great support services in, in the US at the very least for families. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, like you said, there, we really shouldn't be parenting silently or shamefully or behind, you know, pretending like it's not happening. We all need the children for our like society, for our lives. This is just, you know, a way of being human to have kids and society wants us. But once we are there, then just, you know, just be that mom, just be that dad. Let's not make this uh, too big. And I think it takes away the authenticity of life and being a parent. And as Natasha said, it's like, you know, sometimes you travel a Lego game, but you know, this is just the way it is with children because we all have been playing Lego, hopefully, and we know how that is. And it's just so impossible to hide that somewhere in a corner when somebody enters the house as a client. And do you agree with me that your work has been somewhat more authentic, came with ease? I'm not saying easy, but with ease and more joy the moment you started like acknowledging the situation you are in. I mean, the situation as in being a parent and running a business as a parent. Definitely, because I'm not trying to deny any part of myself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I have my whole self. And I, I think, too, that the workers are starting to realize that if they are in agreement, if we're in agreement, that we can make bigger changes, right? Like, There's a lot of talk right now about remote work because people are just saying, like, I just don't want to go back. We weren't I wasn't happy in the office. And the same thing. I you know, this the woman who wrote Pay Up, it's she's not just an author. She's really lobbying to make changes for women and moms in the workplace. And so, you know, if more moms come together and say, look, I would be a better employee if you offered daycare at work. You know, it's a, it boggles your mo- my mind how few companies do that, right? Like, it should just be required. Like, if a mom can go and check on her kid, you're going to have her so much more present during the hours that she's there. And so, you know, and the thing is, is like, there's so many studies, like the latest study Natasha and I saw said that 66% of working parents feel burnt out. 66%. That's a huge number of workers. That's not mo- just moms. That's moms and dads. And You know, we love talking to uh, talking on podcasts like yours that aren't mom focused, because the reality is, is most people are going to become parents. So if you have this information before you become a parent, you'll be even better positioned to, you know, realize, okay, I'm going to go into this five year period, but then I'm going to come out of that and I'll be ready to figure out what I want to focus on. I wish I'd had this information going into becoming a parent. Absolutely. Because I kind of was like, okay, yeah, I'll take that first three months and then Bam, I'll be back normal. I was like, oh, okay, it's not like that. Hmm. No one told me. <laughs> that was a total wake up call for me too. Yeah. I I have my with my second son, I was like, I'll be back in three months, you guys. Don't worry. It's gonna be, it's gonna work out great. And I was completely shell-shocked. Wildly different having two kids than it was one. And not to say that one was easy breezy and no problem, but I I had a wildly different understanding of what it was gonna take to now have two humans with wildly different needs, a two and a half year old and a newborn, very, very different, you know? But I wanna say all of this to to recognize, and Allegra just mentioned this, if you're not a parent yet and you're going to be one, or if you are a new parent, or even if you're a parent like ours who've been parenting for a decade plus, um, really getting in touch with 
Your priorities and your values makes a huge difference. Before I was a parent, I would just take clients at any time that I could have, find a way to squeeze them in and that kind of thing. And then later on, when I have my kids and they're in school and I just make sure that I don't schedule anyone on Wednesdays, right? Wednesdays is, is a day after. So I have clients, of course, while my kids are in school. Then I have clients when they're not in school. Um, and so I just make sure that Wednesday afternoons, my kids know when I pick them up from school, like mom has no clients out that day. We're going to go for a hike. We're going to do something that's, you know, related to our family. And I don't teach on the weekends either. I just don't do it. I, you know, occasionally if somebody has to do a makeup um, session, fantastic, sure. And we're going into the summer and in the summer months, I, I only teach one day a week. And if you can't make that day, then that's it. Because otherwise my, otherwise it's, it's absolutely too crazy. It's just too crazy. So learning what my values were, because initially it was just like, let me get my clients wherever I can. I got to make as much money as I can. I got to, you know, but my values have shifted to, I want us to have a great summer break. I still need to make money. I still want to serve my clients the best I can, but I'm going to also be traveling at the same time. And for me to try to have like five clients on Monday, seven clients on Tuesday, but you know, and all throughout the week, if I put them all on one day. Yes. That one day is a monster day. And I am just going bam, 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 client, client, client. And it's a lot, but I'd rather do that. And then have six other days out of the week where we're free to, you know, go ahead and have the best summer vacation we can. When the school year starts up again, I will be way more accommodating for people's schedules and so forth. But knowing what my values are, instead of just, because for a while I was complaining, I'm like, oh gosh, I have this one client, which means that we can't go on that hike today. You know, and I realized I'm like, you're just, I wasn't setting good enough boundaries around my values of like, it's important to me that my kids and I spend outdoor time together, you know, during the weekdays, not just on the weekends and that kind of thing. So I would just recommend to parents and non-parents, like knowing what your priorities and values are really help you understand where to put your time, where to put your effort, where to put your boundaries. And, and so those two components, you know, going ahead and prioritizing yourself and then knowing your values so that you can, so you can design your life, your schedule, your family activities and your entrepreneurial activities around that. Absolutely. And I think you are living it and living a great example for that of what it means to have entrepreneurial freedom once it's established. But it goes hand in hand with your values and boundaries, because once you are in the fortunate situation that clients knock on your doors, it's easy to, you know, to just say, of course, come in and let's do it you know, quickly here, quickly there, which is not sustainable. I totally agree mm -hmm. with that. Yeah. And I think Earlier, you mentioned, Allegra mentioned that it's also quite a bit of planning. And for me, planning and boundaries go hand in hand. Yet, I think you must have heard a thousand of times because I did. If I suggest planning to people, I don't mean strategic like strategies, but planning, you know, like a day planning when people come from corporate and suddenly they are in charge of their own day, which was before just you know framed by a contract so people knew knew 8 a.m i have to be in the office i have to do a b c and d at 4 p.m i'm done and this is my allowance to go home <laughs> right, trans right. if they transition if they start running their own business then everything it goes astray right there are suddenly no boundaries anymore there is yeah people are lost what i'm supposed to do first 
am I even supposed to do something? Can I now sleep till 11 a.m.? Because this is my freedom as an entrepreneur, <laughs> you know? And it's confusion. So when I suggest planning, I get as a response, but I don't want to plan my entire life because people, you know, I think people have, or some people have the impression that when you plan, right, you put yourself in a cage of that plan. What are your thoughts on that? What is planning <laughs> yeah, to had- you? I've had people ask me like when they see my schedule or when they hear me say, you know, I, I go for a sunrise hike every Thursday. These are set appointments. They don't sound, I know they don't sound bad, but any, you know, anytime you have your time designated, you're making a choice about what's important to you. And so when people ask me, like, do you like having your life this planned? I said, well, I like every single thing that I'm doing. It wouldn't be in my planner if I didn't like it. So of course. Look, if you want to put watch TV for four hours in there, go ahead. That's your prerogative. But you've chosen that. And there's, you know, responsibility that comes with choosing how you spend your time. But there's also a certain satisfaction in saying, I chose to spend my time this way. My calendar is the way it is because I want it that way. And your calendar will look totally different. But I would ask you, like, is everything in your calendar something that you want to do? And if not, why are you doing it? I can say, yes, everything in my calendar, I want to do it. And that's me. But look, you know, when we talk about aligning your values, like we're very literal, like for instance, I have a value and this is something we do in our course. We have a two-day virtual course called Harness the Power of Planning. And one of the exercises we do is help people come up with their values. And then we ask you to write them down on these cards, right? So these are my value cards. And, you know, one of our family's values is around the conservation of resources, natural, capital, and human. And so one day when my after my father passed away, I came across this little chest that you put nails and screws in. It was empty, right? It was brand new, had never been used before. And I said, oh, I have a million nails and screws, like, you know, in the garage, above the laundry, in the miscellaneous drawer, in the kitchen, right? I was like, I'm going to put them all in one place because that is aligned with my value of, you know, of capitalized conservation resources. And I put on an audiobook. I grabbed my favorite non-soda soda. And I sat down for two hours and I sorted screws and nails. And that has saved me so much time and money. And not just that, but as I was doing it, I was actually having fun. I was like, this is this is fun. This is so uh, fulfilling, right? It just felt good. Because what the thing is, is when you live your values, you feel authentically you. And nothing feels better than that. And now every time I use that screw drawer, I think I pat myself on the back. I'm like, see, that was such a good idea. I don't have to drive to a hardware store and spend money and whatever. Um, and so, you know, we're spe- we're talking very literally about living your values and you will be surprised at how much joy that brings into your life. That's great. Said. I totally agree. Natasha, what is your thought on that? On planning? What means planning to you? I just, it's, you know, it's, there's like a adage of if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And so, mm-hmm. and I don't, it sounds, you know, I don't want to say like that your, your life is a failure if you if you just, you know, adrift and, and are spontaneous and so forth. I don't mean that per se, but when you go ahead and pre-plan, like it just as if you're going to take a trip 
if you're going to take a trip and you're going to go to Paris, as <laughs> someone I know who's going to Paris very shortly, and you don't go ahead and plan ahead of time to get that timed entrance to the Louvre or whatever, you're going to get to Paris and you're not going to get into the Louvre. Or maybe you will, but the point is really that like you, if you have a chance to go ahead and be proactive about how you'd like to live your life. This one beautiful, wonderful, crazy life that you get to have, you get to design it. And that's really what Allegra was talking about. Our Harness the Power of Planning two-day course is a life design course. And this is not about like being rigid. It's not about being perfect. It's not about being, it's not even more about, it's not even about being more productive per se, as much as it is about what do you want for you? How are you gonna get there? Right. And this is the planning part is the how are you going to get there part. Right. So there's the there's like, what do you want? And hopefully you're able to authentically understand what you want and unpack it and maybe put away all the shoulds and the things that other people said you should want. And the, your dreams you had 20 years ago that are not applicable today. What do you want today? How are you going to get there? And without the plan, maybe, you know, maybe you get there, maybe you don't. And at the very, very least, we love to talk about we do it. We do a monthly course. Correct where you know we just take a look at our past month so that we can see what have I been doing have I been doing what I say I want to do is it moving me in the right direction of where I say I want to I want to have I not been because you can easily go like whoop six months have gone by and you haven't been checking in with yourself and next thing you know it's like you haven't done any of the things that you said you were going to do you know going towards writing your book or whatever it is that you whatever your plan is so it, the plan again, like Allegra said, the plan isn't about constricting you. The plan is about like actually opening up opportunities for you when you commit to something. When you actually commit to something, it doesn't reduce your options. It opens up those options. And so that's what planning really is ultimately is for you to go ahead and, you know, you're making, you're making a deeper commitment to the things you say that you want to do. Mm -hmm. And so right. it doesn't have to be rigid at all. In fact, Allegra and I constantly say, if you put, if you get 70%, putting in 70% effort, that is like amazing. Like, you know, 100% effort, 100% perfection is unrealistic, unattainable. And you're going to just, you're going to, you're just going to hate life. <laughs> you're going to hate life. Yeah. She and I talked about, she's like, she had this experience of where she had a perfect month. I feel like I had, I had this one perfect day too, where like I got everywhere on time and I did everything and all the things and everything that was on my to-do list. And I, I noticed myself, I was on the freeway driving home and I was like this with my finger, just white knuckled. And I had been yelling at my kids so that I could get this perfect, get it done perfectly. And I was like, <laughs> I hate myself right now and I hate my life right now. So, you know, it's not about being perfect and it's not about giving a hundred percent all the time. If you're giving 70%, my gosh, that's amazing effort. And some days are going to be 30, right? But for the most part, like averaging somewhere around 70%, you're killing it. <laughs> you're doing great. But what we're, you know, what we're really talking about is living by design, not by default. Right. Right. So like our book, Rock Your Morning, you know, we like to use the example of, I don't know if you know this famous song, uh, Nine to Five by Dolly Parton. Oh, yeah, sure. Right. And so it's, you know, stumble out of bed and tumble in the kitchen. Right. A lot of people, that's how their day starts. Just like, oh, rubbing at your eyes. Like, what do I have to do today? Oh, you know, versus waking up and knowing what you have to do. That's such a diff. It's such a subtle shift and yet meaningful. And I know this because my husband used to wake up 
and say about 20 curse words in the first two minutes. And it didn't bother me when it was just the two of us because I'm responsible for my mind. And, you know, if he wants to, whatever. And I said, you know what? Once our daughter was a little bit older, I was like, you know what? I don't know if you've noticed, but the way you wake up in the morning affects the whole household. And it's not just me. It's affecting our child. And she doesn't know how to filter that the way I do. And so I would just ask, is that the tone you want to be setting for your day? And is that the tone you want to be setting for your daughter's day? And he took that seriously. And now my husband, I've seen my husband completely shift his morning and shifting it by, you know, getting up early, getting up with a good attitude. He has his morning ritual that includes exercise and meditation. But before that, he was tumble out of bed and stumble to the kitchen guy. And so I've seen the shift happen for people. He did that before we had a book. Like now that we have a book, it's so much easier and more systematized to help people Take control of their morning because when you your morning sets the tone for your whole day, you know, and if you were stumbling out of bed and tumbling to the kitchen, your day is already kind of on the rocks, you know, so take control of your morning and you'll see that you're kind of putting the reins on your whole day. And we suggest that the best way to take control of your morning is with a morning ritual and what's in your morning ritual how long your morning ritual is, that's completely up to you. It's different for everyone. Natasha and I will never tell you what you should be doing. We're just going to tell you how to do it and how to think about it. I'm not being hyperbolic when I say that my morning ritual is what keeps me sane. Because no matter what happens during the day, I can go to bed and I can know tomorrow's going to start with my morning ritual. And it's like it's like a mini vacation every every day. And then... My morning ritual gets me prepared to be my best for the day because I know that I've taken care of my myself. And as Natasha said, it's not about getting a mani-pedi. This is about what you need to function. And you know, a great article came out in March in Prevention Magazine, and it was basically this whole idea of self-care as healthcare, right? Like, what do you need to function? And Natasha and I are both at an age where supplements are no longer a nice idea. They are a mandatory, like if we want to be able to function, we need supplements, right? We have those hormonal changes happening. I need to hydrate a lot more than I used to. It's just, I don't seem to hold on to water and minerals the way I used to. So these are very basic things. And it might even surprise you what's in your morning, my morning ritual. Like for instance, one of the things that I do every morning is clear my dish rack because, you know, I pretty much reset the kitchen at night, I clean the kitchen, but there's some things that are too big to go into the dishwasher and they have to dry on the dish rack. And so the next morning, I like to clear my dish rack because I like to have that moment where my kitchen just like looks architectural, digest beautiful. Mm-hmm. I know it doesn't last long, but it, it's, it makes me so happy and it just makes me feel calm. Again, that's not a mani-pedi. That is just something that makes me mentally feel well. Yeah, I get that. I get that. And what is very clear now out of this conversation for me, what I learned from it, which was a lot, to summarize this is what I clearly see here. If we plan our day, it's always according to our children. And we plan for the kids, like they need to go to school, they need to do this, they need to do that. Uh, I need to be there with them. And then we have an appointment there, we have an appointment there. But nowhere in this planning is you yourself as a human being, as the parent, as the mother, as the entrepreneur, as the working parent, 
right? That this is easily overlooked. Do you guys agree with that? It can be. Yeah, it can be easily overlooked. You can definitely let that, this is like, like Allegra was just talking about life by default, um, you know, as opposed to design. Well, cause the default is, oh, I've got a, I had a day very much like you just described today. It was full of a dentist appointment and eye appointments and clients and, you know, a bunch of other things. Yeah, it was, it was definitely packed full of things. And so what Allegra was saying earlier, this idea of having this morning ritual, first and foremost, the, the kind of circling back around to this idea of the oxygen mask and that having this morning ritual where I make sure my needs are taken care of first in that in the morning. And we've just started summer vacation. So it's a little bit different. Our, our mornings are a little different than when we used to really have school drop off and so forth. But I still am tracking, making sure I've got my supplements, I'm taking my water, I'm, my part of my morning routine is to, or ritual is to walk the dog, which is always, usually, usually if I can, I'll walk it with my husband so that we have a little bit one-on-one -on -one together time to, you know, so these things are the things that keep me sane. And so if I don't have them inserted, my day easily can get away from me really, really quickly, super quick, you know? And so like Allegra said just a moment ago, it's not, it's not a small thing. It's not something that's overlooked. It's not even a luxury, really taking care of yourself, having that self-care, having a morning ritual also does tick things off your, your checklist too, right? Because then, then I don't have this open tab of like, oh yeah, I still have to make that smoothie or I still have to make, take, make sure I take those supplements or, you know, those things are already taken care of. And it really, we like to say ritual instead of routine because we really do think that it is, you want to, I like to think of it as when I'm, have the presence of mind, I like to think of it as like sacred time where I really am honoring myself and Allegra and I are both very much, she even mentioned about her husband's influence on her daughter. If my kids see me taking care of myself and seeing that I'm worthy of caring for myself, they internalize that. You don't even have to say it to them. You know, you don't have to tell them like, hey, you're important and taking care of yourself and, you know, is important. Yes, of course, we teach them to brush their teeth and all that kind of stuff. I don't mean that exactly. But they internalize. They say, oh, mom's taking that time for herself. And they, they know. <laughs> They've seen yeah. it happen. They see me. They see me put the AirPods in and I'm going to grab the leash off the wall and it's for, it's my time to go take the dog for a walk or, you know, my husband and I leave in the morning and we're just like, okay, kiddos, we'll see you later. We're going to go for our morning walk. Yeah. And they know that that's an, you know, important time for us. So yeah, you can easily, easily supplant. Everything else will seem more important and everything else is tugging on your time. We're coming full circle to that self-care, oxygen mask first boundaries. Yeah. Absolutely. And with that, you lay just a sustainable foundation for yourself, for your children, for your family, for your business, whatever area in life. Yeah. To round up this conversation, thank you so much for being vulnerable, for being authentic, to really, you know, share struggles and happy moments in life. Last question. What do people misunderstand the most about you? Mm, that's a good question. So I'm going to go first. <laughs> um, I would say that because I am really capable um, and I have in the past have had trouble asking for help, um, people think that I don't need any help or that I don't need any care. So because I'm, I'm, I'm a very capable person and I have definitely had trouble in the past for asking for help. So I've gotten better at it, better at asking for help. And I think the misunderstood part is that people think that I don't need help. And uh, I do. And I could.
Mm-hmm. We all do. Thank you for sharing. I think people think that I am very rigid and disciplined, <laughs> but I would say that I am actually pretty lazy and that I have systems in place so that I don't have to think. And that lets me be lazy. Like if you, when you have a good system, it's kind it kind of works on autopilot. Um, so it doesn't take too much effort of you thinking of it, initiating exactly. it, constantly working on it. It just, you know, it, it comes like a, yeah, it comes almost by default, although you didn't want to meant uh, use this word before but just it comes with ease is this what you want to say kind of default. that's good that's like an automated default it's different than living on default yeah i would say you know when when you can make what you want to happen a habit it becomes so easy so i tend i usually go to bed pretty early but once in a while i'll go out and you know once a year my husband and i go to this one event where we always stay out late And I come home at two in the morning and I still do my nighttime skincare routine. And really I can, I can, it's like an out of body experience. I was like, God, my, how are my hands moving? I'm so tired. And it really is a true habit. If, you know, Natasha and I are big brain science nerds. We've studied habit formation a lot. And so as a student of habit formation, it's really fascinating to see myself doing something that I don't want to do. But it's a system that I have set up and reinforced. And so I am just doing it anyway. And so having those good habits allows me to be sort of lazy, if you will. Um, and the other thing, too, is just, you know, I I choose to prioritize things that serve me, right? Like I eat healthy, so I'll have a lot of energy. I take naps in the afternoon so that I have more creative energy later in the day. You know, these are habits and systems that I have set up. Like, I probably sleep more than the average person does. Like, I don't think that makes me rigid. Or, <laughs> you know, I'm just like, I just know that I need a lot of sleep. Um, so, you know, and I think if people, if I think if there was a hidden camera watching me, people would be surprised at how often I take time off throughout the day, right? Like, I was making dinner and I went outside to go work on a puzzle for a little bit. Well, You know, just like have some mental clear time. I'm shockingly productive with all of the that free time that I take, with all the nap taking that I take. I am shockingly productive. I love it. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for being here on my show to give all these insights. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Ivana. Thanks for having us. Hey, do you want to create fantastic reels with unique captions quickly? This script has saved me time and brought back the fun of creating reels. The writing, transcript editing and recording program automatically detects errors, arms and speech gaps and much more. I became an affiliate of this script because it eliminates the sucky part of reel and video editing and adds much value to my work as a coach and creator. You can try this script for free by clicking the link in the show notes and reach out to me if you need help with your first edits.